What's up, everyone? This is Hobart coming at you with episode four of The Beeswax. I'm here with my man, Lesh Wierzynski, and our brother from the other side of the country, Jacob Lacalle. What's up, guys? What up? Hey, guys. Well, the fires are burning, and the for once, California, not for once, this is common, but you get to enjoy cleaner air in, in Brooklyn than us mm-hmm. in the Bay. Um, Not to mention, I just got an air-conditioned unit for my uh, music room here. So, Ooh. lucky dog! It's so nice. Is it silent? I don't know. Can you hear it? No, mm. I think I can hear it. <laughs> I can, I just hear your beard rustling. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, today we are going to be talking about uh, a very um, <laughs> classic song. I think it's your guys' most popular on Spotify. Uh, and that is When It Was Wrong. I know it's a fan favorite, and I often hear it thrown out as a when you guys solicit uh, recommendations from the when crowd. When It Was Wrong! Play When It Was Wrong! Play When It Was Wrong! Can you just play When It Was Wrong? Yeah. When It Was Wrong with the Johnny Bones Johnny song. Bones! <laughs> The Bones Bros out there. I'm very. Mm. This is a. This there's is one in every that town. I, yeah. That I, <laughs> no, there's like four in every town. There's like yeah. a, 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 like a group of four story. that comes together mm-hmm. and they get shit faced. Like, <laughs> stand under Johnny and just go, Johnny Bones! <laughs> you guys Leo. need to make merch. You need to make Leo. merch for this demographic. We need some Bones Bros t shirts from the Honey Drops. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah, like a stylized Johnny with his like mean sax face on the front yeah. of it. <laughs> Welcome to the Boneyard. The Boneyard. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be his podcast when he starts yeah. broadcasting from Point Reyes, mm-hmm. talking about uh, veganism well, and and saxophone. I guess he's not no longer vegan, right? He's come on back on. No the longer floor. vegan. I don't know. He, maybe he is again. Chris Burns. Chris Burns. That high tone, though. <laughs> That's so weird. I feel like I'm getting one of those old, like, hearing tests back in school. Yeah. I can't believe I can still hear that. Dude, I Lesh, I swear, like, the older recordings of you singing, you, like, have, like, a different accent or, like, a different affectation to your voice. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the... I mean, the the placement of my voice is completely different. Yeah. Like, yeah. In terms of uh, the 
The timbre or whatever. Yeah, it's totally. more chesty, right? Yeah, it's a lot more chestier or something. Some of the vowels too, you make like a different shape. Yeah. For those vowels. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's I, I, Yeah, that's that's for for sure. It's, I mean, I had to cuz I that kind of came out of singing singing on the street a lot and always trying to sing really loud. Oh. So it took me that was kind of like the beginning of how when I started trying to train myself out of trying to sing loud all the time. Mhm. And yeah. And so I completely changed my technique between then and now. It's like totally mm. different. And that that way was of I'm not hitting any of those really high notes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. What what year was that? That was oh, 2010. Yeah, 20, 10, 10, 10 years, years ago. ago. Oh, 10 years ago. 10 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. A whole decade. So, mm-hmm. just for folks that might not be aware, although I'm sure everyone is, is more aware than I am, um, that was the version off of the 2010 album Spread and Honey, correct? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. How did this song get written? How did it come into <laughs> being, Mr. Wierzynski? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, um, this was one of the early songs I wrote and it had, and it's just like the story says, basically, there was this girl that I've been fooling around with (laughs) and way back in the day and, uh, and yeah, it's exactly what the song says. It's a true story. Mm. Like we were both kind of occupied at the time. But we were always sneaking around doing doing stuff. And then uh, she moved to New York City. And I was visiting New York one summer, and we were both single. And we were like, you know, let's see what this is all about. Because we kind of never really, we never really consummated our romance completely. Mm. You never took the bumpers off the bowling alley? Yeah, you know, because we were trying to make sure we didn't get caught and do anything. You know, there was it was a small world. You know, it's a small world after all. So we uh, came to New York, and then something just, it was like, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the whole story. It wasn't much. the same? It wasn't the same? It just wasn't the same. Aww. Yeah, it was an old college story, you know, mm. college fling, fling-a-ding. Um, yeah. So, yep, that's that's so you, it. So you took the disappointment and... And I made a song. Made I a was song. like, yeah, I, I, I think the line came first. I liked it better when it was wrong. I think that just came first. Yeah. And then I started trying to write a song. And this was kind of in the early days of me writing songs. So it came slow and hard, you know? I was like... Uh, you know, I, I had a lot of different versions and a lot of different ideas about how it could go. Was and it always kind of the, in this style? This kind of yeah, it was much shuffle. slower though. It was oh, okay. much slower. It was kind of like almost like six eight, like a quick six eight. Yeah. You know, that's something they never really tell you at the job fairs. What you know, growing up, they need to have like an old musician who's like. But what we what we can offer you is uh, a way of processing any disappointments in your life through your art. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Musicians kind of got to figure that part out on their own, I think. Yeah. 
But yeah, I remember singing the song. I remember showing it. I remember thinking as soon as I wrote it that this was like a song that people would be able to relate to. You know? I was like, I think I got something good here. But nobody really believed in the song at all. <laughs> like nobody. Everybody was like, what is this? Like, was this really? a song? I remember showing it to different people in the band, outside the band. And everybody was, they were kind of indulging me on my little idea. Huh. But and and there was several people while we were recording the song that anyway people didn't didn't love Wait, the I'm, song. I'm curious to hear more about that. So like the band members like Ben, you played Ben the song and he was I like, think I ben, don't know. ben, you know, Ben always had my back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you know, I saw that people loved the song. Though people would always ask me, you know, that's one of the ways I know a song is good or not good, but I know that it connects was when people ask you about it after the show. Yeah, that's there's always like that thing. They haven't heard it and they're like, hey, what's that song? So anyway, I was always get asked about this song. So I had Engagement. this like I had this belief that the song was was good mm-hmm. and that people would love it. And um, yeah, so I kind of stuck stuck with it and 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 it made sure we made it, <laughs> made it. And then we made it like five times. So what year was I was so it convinced was that we could have a radio. Hit. <laughs> well, yeah, I have a lot of questions about yeah. about that. Yeah. What what year did you write the song? Mm, probably like 2006. So is this oh, song really? song? So this song oh, old, is older than the Honey Drops. It's yeah, I start, I wrote it before the Honey Drops really existed. I started writing oh. the song, yeah. Okay. Or maybe That's, maybe around the same time. I remember working on it in this house. So it was around the same time as the Honey Drops started. Would there have been a an earlier version than what we are d- talking about right now, like the spread and honey version? Was yeah, there, there like a demo there's probably or? some demos of it of us playing it at the cheese board or something? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could probably find some really funny old ones. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Uh huh. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it, though. You know, it went through a lot of it went through a lot, and finally we we recorded it. What and it became our hit. Everyone loves that damn song. So <laughs> I guess I'll just jump right to it because I'm curious. What made you want to re-record it? So you recorded it for Spread I, and Honey. Well, and it sounds cool. And, well, it's, <laughs> and like, it's a hit. <laughs> ap- apropos yo, you guys, you guys' is, uh, things. Like I thought I was just working on my singing then. I was okay. just becoming like trying to become like a solo singer because before yeah. in the honey drops we sang a lot of stuff in harmony and mm-hmm. and i was just trying to become a better singer and i just thought i could sing it better gotcha. and i had this idea that if i sang it real good then then it would be better or that people would like it more gotcha. but it turns out people don't really care yeah i mean i wonder i would be curious to know what people's thoughts are on like different people, versions people there's like this it this version is very popular on Spotify. Live, like not the live album, but just live in general, it's always a hit. Right. And it's and it's like, I guess it's like a little more high energy live as yeah, a lot of the songs tend to be. Mm-hmm. And then I've never really heard anyone's feedback on the uh, the version on A River's Invitation, except until the other day, 
Um, Alita and I were driving in our new Subaru Forester. Mm. Actually, it's 2003. Um, <laughs> and, it has, and it has a CD player, but no aux input. So, oh. so I grabbed a stack of CDs from the apartment, and a bunch of those were Honey Drop CDs. So we put A River's Invitation in on the way back from the beach. And she heard when it was wrong and was like, what is this version? Like, it sounds, <laughs> She thought it sounded so mellow and kind of like light. And I was like, because she's only ever heard it live mm. when it's just, you know, balls to the wall, everyone's singing along, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny's, Johnny's ripping it up on the sax and all that. So she was like, what is this version? I was like, I don't know. This is one of many. But, you know, it's cool. That's, that's funny that you say that because I've listened to the Rivers, Inv- the Rivers Invitation, I think, when went like close to the first time I met Lesh. You guys, you guys had just released that album. <clears throat> so Lesh gave me the, uh, the CD of that that album. So I like, I've listened to that version more than any of the versions, oh, and wow. I just assumed that that was the one, you know, on Spotify. It shows like the top songs of the artist, yeah. and that's at the very top of the Honey Drops. So I just assumed that was it. And then walking over here today, I decided to give it a spin, and lo and behold, no, it's actually the Spreading Honey version. Yeah. And I've listened to the one, the live version on the live album too, which is kind of cool. Uh, with the like long vamp at the end um, but it's just interesting that like the, the difference in experience from like yeah I mean everybody has their favorite version mm-hmm. in the end is this oh, your, your favorite so- version yeah what's your favorite version Lish? <laughs> I don't really know I, I like it, I actually kind of like the one I recorded with Scott that we never released yeah which that we just listened to oh yeah I was really digging that one You know, to me, it's it's just like a funny little song because it became this, it became like the, it turned us into like this naughty band, you know? Mm-hmm. People would go to the shows and they would, you know, start feeling sexy and shit, you know? Which was hilarious to me because we all knew me when I wrote the song. <laughs> I don't know. It's it, was, it put me in like a funny place, you know, okay. in a, like in an unlikely position. Yeah, you know, because to me it was just like this silly little song about a real life experience. But then, because everybody found it so kind of relatable, people, you know, our fans found it so relatable. Like it, it like you know then i had to start talking about it you know what i mean and then it had the little vamp and i told the story and blah 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 mm-hmm. and it kind of like and it started turning into this thing you know it took on a it took on a mind of its own you know and it kind of yeah. became a staple of the show and kind of a staple of what we represented as a band <laughs> i mean that was definitely my first experience of you guys hearing like that song and sit down on it in a set i was like ooh these are like some party bad boys you know? yeah yeah exactly which couldn't be further from the truth <laughs> right, especially in those days <laughs> the song is really about my my catholic upbringing i think oh shit <laughs> what would freud have to say yeah on this? exactly um but yeah that's 
but but no, I, th- I think what you said is speaks speaks true that it is like a um, almost an archetypal story that we that many of us experience in one way or another, whether you know whatever reason why it's wrong, we do all seem to have this kind of like perverse attraction to those things that we know are like naughty or that yeah. are bad for us or the sweetest taboo yeah. baby right exactly <laughs> exactly exactly you know it's not the first song <laughs> you know whether it's pulling someone's mask up and making out with them on the first date you know or Ooh, <laughs> you know or just uh you know i liked it better when the masks were on you know <laughs> the 2020 version <laughs> Uh. Um, but you know one thing that really struck me about this bread and honey version that i don't think made it onto the later version is that little you said it was bass but i think it's a guitar part the like yeah that's bass and guitar i think they're like doubled up okay yeah I've played a lot of bass and guitar on that mm-hmm. track, and I have those little, the, the guitar kind of talks back to the vocal the whole time with these little baritone lines. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. little plucky plucks, and then, yeah, and then there's that bass at the beginning. I remember nobody, yeah, that well, the reason why, and then I played bass kind of going into the recording of the song was because nobody like people didn't like the song like the band the rhythm section was like what's going on here and they kind of like couldn't find the feel and so i was just like i'll just play bass it's cool y'all don't have to worry about it i can i think i can hold this tempo in more or less in one place just give it to me and ben i'll play i'll play the bass and ben will play the drums and we'll just lay the song down and that's what we did who would have played bass or who played bass on the other songs um, on the album? seth seth ford young so I ended up playing bass, and yeah, and that was kind of like the rest of his history. How <laughs> many bass players have you guys had? So many. We go through. Yeah, let's, let's go through the history of Honey Drops <laughs> bass players. No, we don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> So who's on that track? Who's playing? Uh, that was me playing, singing, playing the guitars and bass, mm-hmm. and then Ben playing drums, probably some tambourine, and then Chris Burns on the keys, and Johnny on the saxophone. And I probably played a little trumpet on it too. Yeah, there's a trumpet in there. Yeah. Nice. And yeah. where'd you record that one? We did it at... Uh, what was that studio called? It was um, with Miles Boyson, a great okay. engineer. Gorilla, Gorilla, Gor- uh, yeah, Gorilla Studios. Yeah. That's the name. That's right. Nice. Yeah, yeah, we went and did we did some overdubs there a couple years ago. Yep, we recorded that whole album to tape, straight to tape. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it sounds great. I like those uh, crunchy room drum sounds. He got. Yeah, it was this big. It's a, it, oh yeah, and then the studio though we did it. It was not Gorilla. Oh, it was okay. a, the studio they, we did the overdubs whatever overdubs we had to do we did at gorilla uh-huh. but 
the uh, the tracks we did in this place called Shipwreck. Shipwreck. And, and did Miles sure. record yeah. those? Yeah, oh, okay. Miles came in and recorded those and, you know, worked the tape machine and did all his magic mm-hmm. on that end. Uh, and then when we got done with the trackings, like the main tracks, we, we took it to his place to do the overdubs. Okay. So the yeah. main tracks on this one would have been drums, bass... Yeah, guitar. we. I mean, you're playing there guitar was a lot and bass, of, so. Yeah, and there was a lot of live stuff on that record too. So, uh, but in this particular song, it was probably honestly for this track could have mm-hmm. been just the bass and the drums. Okay. That was done live in that room. I'm not sure. I can't remember anymore. There's an organ that I think could be just from you know cueing up the soloing up the tracks. When I put this little session together, there is an organ. I'm not sure if it oh, is live I'm, in the room. It's starting to come together with me now. Okay, okay, so then the organ and the guitar. One of the guitars. That bam, 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 bam. That was done in Shipwreck, too. At the Where is Shipwreck? It's in West Oakland, like off of MLK. Okay. Uh, I think it burned down, actually. There was a big fire there. Should we listen to this newer version that we did? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. I hate Check this version. Out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we... Lesh's yeah, favorite? We, we know this is not your favorite. This is a true story, everybody. About love. That's what I hate about it. And about life. And how doing the wrong thing sometimes feels much better than, doing, better it right. than doing it right. Listen. When we were still in school All the good times that we shared Just breaking all the rules Just trying to find a place with no one around Trying so hard not to make a sound Well, I don't know, baby, but something's changed now And all I can say is it ain't the same Just a sneaking out for a little making out Now that you're here to stay You know the thrill is gone I liked it better when it was wrong I liked it better when it was wrong Yeah Well, you knew I had a woman And I knew you had a man too But one look was all it took, girl mm, And I knew it was So here's what I did I I came on over while he was gone Nobody but you and me, baby All night long I don't know, baby But something's changed now And all I can say is it ain't the same Oh, girl, do you remember when We were hiding out Or just sneaking out for a little making out Now that you're here to stay It turns out that we ain't 
Miracle. The classic yeah. Honey Drops. Ooh, that sounds any. good, actually. I changed my mind. I like that version a lot. <laughs> I dig hey. that version. I, I dig both versions. Yeah, they're that one, cool. Yeah, it's, it's cool. I was wondering about, only because this also got brought up when we heard it in the car the other day. But Alita was like, why does it fade out at the end? Like, what? I don't know. She, like, didn't expect it. And I was like, I don't know. I've never. I th- <laughs> oh, we were. You know, I remember why. I'll tell you why. I, I'm very curious because I remember there being some sort well, of, like. I figured yeah. I had already done the vamp before. And I do the vamp live. I and mean, there was the this whole version. idea that we were going to do, like, an explicit version. Okay. With the vamp. Where I was going to say all the things I say on stage. But we never did it. Okay. But we were like, okay, let's just release this little three thirty, you know, three minute thirty Single. second version. Yeah. Single we were trying version. to make a. That was another thing. I was trying to make a shorter version. That's yeah. another reason why we re-recorded it. Now yeah. that I remember. So yeah. So we were trying to make a shorter version, and we cut the vamp out. But the vamp is cracking. Yeah. Like the yeah. vamp was in a nice spot, mm-hmm. I remember, and we were gonna, and I was just oh, gonna, as far as the groove and everything yeah, goes, yeah, and I just, yeah. Re- yeah, yeah, and we were gonna, I was gonna record some nonsense over it, you know, mm-hmm. honey drops too hot for TV, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. exactly, but you know, never happened. Was this a song that changed much when you guys like started to shift players around, like when Lolo went to keys from bass, when Bo came into bass, yeah, yeah, like definitely i mean it always these things always shifted around and but this was kind of the band you know mm-hmm. this has been the band the yeah. low low bow band right. has been the band for a long long time now yeah. and so did it when you were te- do you remember teaching bow this song like yeah of course did, did it when you actually got to that point of teaching him the song were you teaching him off the old recording, or are you teaching him based on what you're no, playing live? No, I was live, teaching him based on like what I wanted. I always was changing the song around, hmm. mm-hmm. thinking that it could be somehow improved, you know? Yeah. And so uh, probably when he came, I taught, told him one bass line, and by the time we recorded I probably told him to play a different bass line. <laughs> I was probably telling him, you know what I mean? I, was... I like what he plays on this. I remember this, this bass line coming up with this bass line. I had this idea for this bass line. That was like, I was like, I'm going to put this bass on it. It's going to make it a whole nother thing. <laughs> Is this with a pick? We never even, we don't use this bass line anymore, I don't think. It almost sounds like it's with a pick, but I think it's just, he's got the, like the felt. Mm-hmm. Mute. So it's just really. Super plunky. This drum sound, it's so uh, crisp. Yeah, right? It's like very, it's very like, almost very like 70s tight and crisp. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, the whole. You probably hate, but I love. <laughs> Lolo loves it. I like this, like, I like. <laughs> Is that right? I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm I love I'm putting it. words in Lolo's mouth. No, I, I. Yeah. It is very 70s crispy. Crispy. I mean. It's cool. Well, that's, I mean, that's what we were. That's pretty much what we were gonna get with the, you know, the way we were oh, yeah. set up in the, and recording. In the house, that, that's what it yeah. was gonna be for sure. Yeah, all the close mics and isolation and yeah, it's cool though. I like this mix right now. This little like toned down like a little, instrumental. Little bleed of the whirly in there. 
I don't know where that's coming from. Maybe the hi hat. Probably the hi yeah, probably the overhead, overhead right? Yeah. I and I like anything with Whirly in it. I like any honey drop song with Whirly. <laughs> <laughs> Remember now that one of the reasons why we picked this version over the one with Scott that we never released, because we felt like it was more just like the way we'd play it live, you know? Mm. This is kind of like, this is kind of like what goes on live, pretty much. So we were like, let's just do it. Representative. It's yeah. Like a little, it's a little busier than the other. It's a little bit faster, I guess. And I think it was just like, hey, we have this, we've been playing it now. Like mm -hmm. when we when we recorded it, we had never really played the song. Gotcha. It was just like an idea, so we kind of constructed it in the studio, and mm -hmm. I was like, "Well, we're a live band, and now we really have it kind of like where we want it. So let's do it." And, and that was six years later, right? Yeah, I think. Twenty sixteen was Rivers' invitation. Oh wow. Yeah. Twenty fifteen. Well, I mean, we we recorded that in starting in twenty fourteen. Actually, yeah. okay. it came out in twenty fifteen. So four years so, of breathing on stage. Yeah. And I was like, I think I finally got this, you know, and I think I finally figured out how I want to sing it and all that. And I thought for some reason that it was, I mean, you know, the thing about Spotify is that that, that version to me never really got its chance because on Spotify, you already have your top songs. Mm -hmm. Totally. So everybody yeah. just goes to that one. Oh, right. And you can't there's, like. There's no way that was going to bump you know yeah bump its way up to the top and like yeah yeah when that one's already on your on your anybody who checks out the band even if they're not don't like us it's like a positive feedback that. loop and i kind of wanted to do something about that i wanted to be like can we like get that out of there so people <laughs> can hear this new version oh, but it just never happened and that's kind of like the the reality of spotify now you know it, like, yeah. but it buried the yeah it buries like the new the newer stuff yeah which i'm not really happy about at all right it's interesting though i mean lots of artists have re-recorded their songs whether it be like two years later or 20 years later but i think i mean people tend to gravitate towards like the original version you know like the first version what is mm -hmm. this like re-recorded thing but i mean uh, that all depends, it, it depends on how on popular the, on a band the popularity uh, or how popular that song was Right. If if everyone fell in love with you know, if it the was first a hit version, the first time around, but we never really had any hits. That's true. Because you know? some artists like re-record. You know, you think of like well, some yeah. of those like old soul groups, and they re-recorded their songs with like updated sounds in the eighties and nineties, like the ugh. Delphonics or something like the that. Dark years. And it just like, oh god, there's like yeah. drum machines and terrible yeah, yeah, keyboard yeah. synth horns and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole another topic. But, but that's yeah. That's a really, I guess that's what we did. That's a really interesting <laughs> point. Though. I never thought about it that way, but I guess no. that's what happened. No, this is different. But that's a really. I, that, I, I like mean, to think about it more like the Bob Marley. You know how he recorded totally. a bunch of songs way early in his career. Yeah, and nobody really heard those. That's true. Yeah. I mean, maybe except for in Jamaica, and you know, like probably people didn't really hear those. And then he had you know his big success. You know, probably with Catch a Fire, right? Mm -hmm. It's probably the first album that came out on a bigger scale. 
And then you heard the big ones. And that was what I was hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Me, I just listen to that old Bob Marley stuff all the time. All the old 60s, late oh, 60s Bob Marley. Before Catch a Fire is my favorite. So yeah, I guess, you know, <laughs> I should be. I should listen to my, to it's my it's own It's an interesting there. point, though. I've never thought about the, the, the kind of inherent bias built into, like, the top songs yeah. algorithms on Spotify. But it makes sense that it isn't necessarily like you're not even giving other songs a chance if you have established tracks up there because no. you do have this like exposure bias that then gets built into those numbers and that yeah. system. I mean that's how I feel with a lot of artists, you know, on Spotify, like my favorites. I'd be like, hey, you know, like I love Bobby Womack. I tell people to listen to a lot Bobby Womack, right? And then you pull up Bobby Womack on Spotify and the top songs is just like, what the hell is this, man? <laughs> Across 110th Street is probably like the first yeah, song. Yeah, it's like the first song. I mean, that's not even, the, you know I mean, what I mean? It's a good song, but. It's a know, good song. It's not the, like the shit. It's not the, the, sh the like the core of, to me of Bobby Womack, you know, isn't across 110th mm. Street, you know? Yeah. I wonder if there's a way to override that. I want to take that shit off. <laughs> pissing me off man that's a good that's a really good point yeah, yeah. people well, are just, just instantly exposed to whatever has been clicked on the most and it's just going to perpetually be clicked on more and more and remain there however There's, because it's right there right and that's true but i've been well anyway this is a whole nother conversation nah, that we're getting yeah. I've been surprised by the songs. I li looked the other day at what the top Honeydrop songs were on Spotify, and I was surprised to see a bunch of songs on there that we oh. never play live. Oh, yeah. So there oh. is some kind of strange meritocracy going on there. <laughs> like, Interesting. All Day, All Night is one of the most popular songs. Right. Oh, yeah. I In, think I saw that yeah. recently. I was In, like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, which is really weird. I wonder In My it, Baby's Arms is one of the most popular songs. I saw that, too. And that's oh, a new cool. one. I wonder if you it know, made it on to if like it's on some playlist, playlist. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, popular playlist that you. I bet. You know, I know. In it. my baby's arms is on Duran Jones's playlist. Oh, okay. That could be something. Mm -hmm. I think it would be cool actually if Spotify. If you're listening, uh, here's a free tip, free lesson. You can have this one for free. Uh, if there was a section right under the top songs that was like artist picks. So yeah. that you guys could be like, hey, these are the ones that we want to feature to our fans. Mm. You know, so then I could hear like, okay, what does the Honey Drops want me to listen to this month? You know, mm -hmm. and then, uh, you know, in addition to like algorithmically what's being selected for, you could That's see, you know, that how the artist idea. could put, you know, what the artist would want to put out, you know, then you could uh, maybe, you know, that would then influence the top songs or it's you know kind of oh, uh, yeah. alleviate some of the built-in bias in what gets you know, the chart. Everything that we've been looking for, it turns out that we ain't so sure. Love is a gamble, nothing's for free. We paid a price for those sweet memories. What's really clear for me, like looking at this four year difference between these two recordings is just you can really see the honey drops start to coalesce into this current form, which to myself, having really become like a big fan right in that like 2014, 2013 era, 
you can just hear it in all the little decisions that that everybody in the band is making. Um, it, it really does seem representative of the the change in, in vibe uh, between the early honey drops. I like the earlier stuff kind of stuff <laughs> and uh, and the current contemporary honey drops vibe. Um, and, and this song certainly is a clear example of, of that growth. Yeah, so. it, it feels to me like, you know, five dudes gelling together a little bit more, maybe on the mm-hmm. newer version. You know, whether people oh, like yeah. that or, or to me, it just sounds like. Oh, it sounds like a band. Sounds we knew more how to like play a band. Together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we really only had like three. Pe- it was really two people on the first version. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, to me, this song is really about it's about the live thing. It's about like the live experience in the end. Studio yeah. version. Be damned. Right. You know, like it's just about. It's such a big part of like the vibe of the band and the vibe of why people like to come to the shows and kind of like the more in a bigger way. It's it's like a big it's like a statement about, I think, what we believe as a band. (laughs) It's kind of a philosophical (laughs) statement in the end, you know, and 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 the type of people that like like our music, I think share that with mm-hmm. us you know i mean i we, we you know when people request it i'm sometimes i'm like man eh, let's play something different just because we'll probably play it every other night but i don't want to play it every night <laughs> but i'll play it every other night there you go and and you know if i'm feeling inspired i'll even go into like a long spiel <laughs> yeah yeah about it you know so i still enjoy playing it and i still enjoy uh indulging into the into the mythology of when it was wrong <laughs> of what exactly that means you know and and the whole the whole dilemma of 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 keeping things fresh because that's what the really the song has become it's about an experience like a singular experience of yeah of fooling around and then very quickly realizing that things aren't what they used to be right but the yeah. reason why so many people relate to it is because it's also about being in a relationship for a few years. Mm. It's about the long haul. Mm-hmm. And that's what really, and that's what you end up, I end up talking about a right. lot on, on stage. Yeah, you know? I think that's a good point because n- maybe not everyone can get behind this song. As a cheating song. But ev- I think everyone can get behind, you know, the, the keeping it fresh, the, uh, you know, trying to make it last by yeah, you know, yeah. keeping things by- new and interesting. Yeah, by keeping things feeling a little bit wrong somehow. Yeah. Well, also mm-hmm. to recognize that at its root, this song really is essentially a story of Zen uh, because <laughs> it, it, it really on. is discussing impermanence and people's reluctance to accept change as the inevitable constant in the universe. That's true. I mean, there is there's a piece of it that's unsentimental. Right. You know, or it's sentimental for the time, but it's like just like, hey, it's. This is gone. The feeling is gone. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's an element of that in it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I like to always, when I'm on stage, I like to turn it into like, a, okay, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, I encourage people to, to cuddle up and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of be honest with each other. 
that, that that's what I hear you say most often on stage when you sing this song yeah. is like this exaltation for partners to be honest with each other. And I yeah. think that's really, I see you meaning that with this, with this, uh, totally allegory. Uh, yeah. I think that's ultimately, I think that's ultimately why the song is popular, you know, and why people relate to it. It's because it gives them this way to be like, it gives them a little outlet to be like, yeah, <laughs> what's going on this mm-hmm. shit isn't as fun as it used to be i still love you yeah. so let's figure it out right. you know yeah totally yeah um and to recognize that energy that like the that uh the things that bring you together in the beginning are transitory and that like trying to pretend like it's going to be the same way forever often is what leads to a lot of problems in relationships and right like, by being honest with ourselves first and foremost and and by and through that being honest with our partners we can we can uh understand that these are like things that all humans and end up experiencing and and thus it can bring us all yeah, closer man. i was just trying to make things better <laughs> my mom calls this one of my pornographic songs <laughs> this is <laughs> <laughs> she's like you're just over in california singing your pornographic Wait, songs can you say that again but in the polish accent <laughs> you're just over in california singing your pornographic songs <laughs> oh, my mom that, speaks polish to me though i think that's a great place to to end it boys that was, that was, <laughs> the mom take uh, you know all praise nice. i'll praise the mother i was like mom i'm just trying to help people i'm just trying to solve relationships i'm just trying to solve world. world's problems through love and communication Oh